You can take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. We're going to do a couple of topical studies in between before we get into our next book series. And so um, I really wrestled with this week, Lord, what, what is it you would have me to speak on? And um, I believe this is the message that uh, he has for us today. And I was encouraged this morning as I listened to the radio broadcast. Uh, by the way, how many of you this morning heard the broadcast? Okay, a couple of us. Excellent. Praise the Lord. Uh, a lot of the, the uh, subject matter that was addressed in that is exactly what God has laid on my heart for this day. That, that's encouraging when those kind of things happen. Um, so uh, anyways, I, I trust that this will be a blessing to us. Uh, also, let me take this uh, time just to, to mention, uh, we began our new members orientation this morning. And I would like to extend that invitation for some of you who maybe you're interested in uh, knowing more about Community Baptist Church, uh, what we believe, and uh, maybe you're considering potentially down the line becoming a member of this local assembly. Let me encourage you to visit back with us next week during the Bible uh, during the Sunday school hour, and uh, we'll meet in the library, Lord willing, next week. We'll have some breakfast for you, and uh, we'd just love for you to come out, sit in on that class. Um, you do not. That does not mean just because you're in the class that you are saying, "Hey, I absolutely, positively want to be a member." But it is an opportunity for you to learn more about the ministries here and um, uh, what we believe here at uh, Community Baptist Church. I'll give you a hint. It's right here in this book. That's what we believe. So you've got a head start. By the way, how many has, have, have their Bibles this morning? Raise your hand. Raise your Bible nice and high. Excellent, excellent. Praise the Lord. Uh, those who didn't, next week, want to see yours in hand. And if you don't have a Bible, see me. We'll hook you up. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And our reading this morning will be uh, from verses 13 through 18. Romans 1 verse 13 says, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit, among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Father, I ask that you would please, uh, Lord, just anoint your servant this morning to preach, proclaim boldly your truth. Father, I ask that the hearts of the listeners, the minds would be attentive. And Lord, that we would uh, hear your voice this morning. That you would speak to us and encourage us. Lord, awaken us 
to be your people. Uh, Lord, our days are short. Uh, We do not know what a day will bring forth. But Father, we recognize that the need for us to be your witnesses is a daily need. Help us to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, may our lives truly be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable and pleasing in your sight. We ask this in the name that's above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want to read a a quote in regards to Evangelist Franklin Graham. Evangelist Franklin Graham began the year 2010 by declaring he is not ashamed of the gospel as he predicts greater obstacles for Christians who want to share their faith. Quote, I believe that a time is fast approaching. I think it will be in my lifetime. When the preaching of the gospel is referred to as hate speech. End quote. Graham wrote in a commentary posted on the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association website, he predicts a time when public statements about what the Bible says regarding homosexuality, abortion, and other moral issues will be banned by politically correct cultures, and when preachers could be imprisoned for following the teachings of the Bible. Now, church, we may think, no way. No way that could happen. But let me tell you, we are there. We are right on the doorstep of these days. Don't think it's, it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. There's going to come a day when, when people will say the things which are good are evil. They'll call it evil. And things that are evil, they're going to say is good. And, and look around. I mean, that's the case. When we deny God's truth that's given to, to help, to reconcile us in that right standing with our Creator and Maker, and somehow that potentially may be banned? Persecution is coming. There's no doubt in my mind. But you know what? I think in some ways it's going to be a good thing. And I think it's a good thing because of this very fact. That will help separate some of the wheats and the tares. You know, I think a lot of churches all across America today, there are cozy, comfortable Christians who fill the pews every week. But they don't know the Jesus of the gospel. Now, they may know about the Jesus of the gospel. But they've not genuinely been born again. They do not know what it's like to to be a branch in the vine where the life-flowing Holy Spirit indwells them, where there's a a genuine uh, intimacy with their Creator, where they hear His voice and they obey. 
We just began a study this past Wednesday night. And if you missed it, please come this Wednesday night. I'm telling you, it is going to be a blessing. Um, we talked about, uh, we, we began the Way of the Master series, the intermediate study. And uh, this past week, the message was on true and false conversions. True and false conversions. And I know that strikes a chord at first and, and kind of rubs us wrong. But, but all through the Word, and, and if, you, if you missed out on that session, I'll be glad to set up a time for you maybe to watch that one. Because it's spot on. There are many people in that day. Matthew 7 says, many will come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did I not? And they'll proclaim all the righteous deeds in their own eyes they thought they did that made them acceptable to God. That will not be the case. And I believe our churches are full of unconverted. People who, who've been maybe deceived, self-deceived, or deceived by someone else who gave them another gospel. Paul in his writings tells you and me that if anyone preaches another gospel, let them be accursed. I'm a firm believer that when someone encounters the living Christ and is humble to the point of repentance and surrender, that they cannot leave from that moment unchanged. My Bible tells me that if you are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Is there evidence in your life today? Is there genuine evidence in your life that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? There should be fruit. Paul said, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. I mean, how can you imagine how scary, how horrible that would be to stand before Almighty God in that day and thinking the whole time in your life you were okay because you went to church or, or because you did some religious work or, or because you went through a confirmation class or whatever. To think that you, you thought you were okay and then you stood before Almighty God in that moment and realized that you didn't even know Him, that He did not know you. Many will stand that day and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in Thy name? Did I, did I not cast out demons? Did I not? And they'll go through it and He'll say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You say, well, I'm not a worker of iniquity. Well, let me just tell you, to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. I didn't say that. God's Word says that. Are you a friend of the world? It brings me to my topic today that I want to ask. Are you ashamed? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Paul in this passage says, I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God. Unto salvation. But you know what? I think there's a lot of people who they won't say it here that they're ashamed, but by their lifestyle, they demonstrate they're ashamed because they don't want to have anything to do with Christianity and how they live their life out there. 
In fact, if I were to ask these people's co-workers, did you know so-and-so was a Christian? What? (laughs) You talking about the same person I'm talking about? I might get that reaction from some co-workers or or somebody that, that goes to your school. Could have fooled me. And so I think by our actions, we demonstrate oftentimes that we are ashamed. We're ashamed to be identified with Christ. And that should be reason for concern. I think persecution is going to come, and I think as it does, it will begin to rise to the surface those who genuinely are clinging to Christ as their only means of salvation. And I think the evidence of the tree will begin to bear fruit that all will see and know those who named the name of Christ, who belong to Christ. Well, in that question, are you ashamed of the gospel? As you ponder that thought, let me, let me read, read this to you. When was the last time you spoke to some unsaved person Think with me. Ponder this in your own heart. Answer this question in your own heart. When was the last time you spoke to some unsaved person about their spiritual condition in the sight of God? Was it this morning? Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was sometime earlier in the week. Maybe you're having a hard time actually trying to remember when was the last time you spoke to an unsaved person about their spiritual condition in the sight of God. And when was the last time you passed out a gospel track? And when was the last time you actually took the time to share God's Word in the form of a gospel track? Wednesday nights, I've ordered a bunch of gospel tracks again, some of the million-dollar bills. Uh, Henry, I got you curved ones in this time. Um, we've got a lot of, uh, of those. There's some out here. They're, they're, not, they're not doing any good in the church. We need to take these and we need to go and, and, and sow the seed and water the seed in the community around us. Matthew 10, uh, 10 and 33 says, Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. My first point this morning is, if you're not ashamed of the gospel, open your mouth. Open your mouth. Share the good news. He says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. He also said in Mark 8, 38, Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. David, the psalmist, declared in Psalms 31, 1, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. And the Apostle Paul, again, reminds us in Romans 10, 9-11, that if 
Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Did you hear that? That if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Have you believed on Christ? My Bible tells me that whosoever is believed in him shall not be ashamed. So then why do we live the way we do? Unchanged. Just like the world. No different. Why, why are we not opening our mouth? It was funny because I had already purposed in my heart to, to share the little illustration. You know, a lot of times you hear people say, well, my faith is personal. And this morning I heard myself say the same thing on the radio broadcast. A lot of people say, oh, well, my, my faith is personal. Hogwash. What? what? You, weren't, you weren't saved to keep that to yourself. No. We need to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Open your mouth if you're not ashamed. The second thing this morning, not only do you need to open your mouth, you need to also open the Word. Open the Word. Open the Word of God. Um, Listen to this quote from MacArthur. By the way, if you want to know more on this subject, I recommend highly this book, Ashamed of the Gospel. It's by John MacArthur. When the church becomes like the world... You want an eye-opener of what's going on in in, in Christianity in America and get a biblical perspective of what's happening and not getting caught up in all the lights, bells, and whistle of our Christian movement today? I encourage this. Ashamed of the gospel. In this book, he, he, he writes this. He says, what kind of ministry, what kind of ministry pleases God? Preach the word. Preach the Word. That's what, that's what God tells us in the Bible. If you want to know what kind of ministry pleases God, it's the ministry that preaches the Word of God. That's why I ask you, did you bring your Bibles? That's why when you come here, you'll find that in this church, we are going to open the Scriptures. We're going to study the Scriptures. Guess what? Newsflash. Sorry, I know some of us don't really care for this, but that's why we only get about 15 minutes of music and about 55 minutes of preaching. Not a lot of churches do that. You know, I know, I'm telling you that. But you know what? It, tells, it should tell you this, and it should tell anyone who comes here that we honor God's Word over everything. We should. Because that's what we've been commissioned. It, listen, it's not going to be, thus saith the pastor, or thus saith the choir. No, thus saith the word of God, thus saith the Lord. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear this pastor's opinion. I love music and it prepares my heart. And no doubt we should probably go for, you know, 20 minutes of music and and 40 minutes of preaching. I thought I'd heard amen there. Okay. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Or maybe an hour of preaching, you know, and 30 minutes of music. Amen. That'll be good. I, I might amen that one. But anyways. 
The point is, where is our priority as a church? Well, I can tell you. It's on the Word of God. That's a good thing. I'm not ashamed of that. And you know what, church? This is exactly what you and I need to grow in our faith. We need the Word of God. This is what feeds us. This is what matures us. I don't expect my kids to appreciate steak. Now, my oldest daughter, Faith, is getting to where she appreciates it. And that, man, that just tears me up because that means an extra piece off of mine, an extra piece off of mine, an extra piece of mine. Now, fine, go ask your mama for some, please. But a lot of times in church, we've got people who maybe are on the milk of the Word. As we grow, we desire the meat, right? My oldest daughter is getting older. She's desiring now. She actually is beginning to develop a taste for the steak. As you sit under the preaching and teaching of God's Word, and as you begin to study and read it on your own, guess what's going to happen? You are going to begin to have within you, God is going to begin to create an appetite, a hunger, a craving for more. You're actually going to begin to like it. You're going to move from milk to meat. That's a good thing, church then we become stronger as believers. And that's, that's Paul's desire when he writes these letters. And, and that's your pastor's desire as he preaches God's truth, that we would begin to, to mature. And that's going to happen with us feeding on the Word. So, so again, the first point is you need to open uh, your mouth, and you also need to open the Word. Um, turn to 2 Timothy. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. Chapter 1. You know, uh, Paul writes Timothy, and it's interesting because, you know, Timothy has taken over as the pastor in uh, which area, church? Can somebody shout out where he's, where he's the pastor at and what city? Come on. What's that? Nice and loud, Henry. Ephesus, yeah. Guess what? We just finished up Ephesians. Now think about this. You know the context, you know the people that were there in Ephesus. Now, here's Paul. He's in prison again. This time it doesn't look like he's going to get released. Okay? He's been in there before. Um, and this time it doesn't look like he's getting out. But he writes to Timothy. And in writing to Timothy, I, I don't want to read too much in between the lines, but I wonder, I just wonder if maybe Timothy wasn't a bit timid. And in fact... I don't know that it's a big stretch to say that perhaps Timothy was maybe even a little bit ashamed. Uh, and again, I want to be careful with that. because, But, but obviously, Paul is trying to stir up within him this, this uh, uh, need to open your mouth and open the Word. Don't forget your calling. Don't, listen, don't worry about what's happening to me in the chains I'm in. This is for the furtherance of the gospel. You, you need to, you need to uh, get out there, Timothy. You need, to, you need to preach. Don't be ashamed. How do I know that? Well, let's read in the text. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and following. And by the way, you can circle or underline anytime you see the word ashamed. Therefore, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner. Let me stop for a second. 
He said, don't be ashamed of the Lord or, or, or me. Now, some of you know the kind of Christian that embarrasses you when you go out in public. You know the one I'm talking about. Some of you can't stand it when, when some, somebody's out with you and, and they want to engage somebody in a spiritual conversation. You almost do this number. Oh, no, here they go again. <laughs> it's almost like you want to say, forgive my friend. Really? Because they want to pass out a track? Because they want to ask a person straightforward? Let me ask you a question. If you die today, where would you go? I can't believe they just did that right here. They're going to spit in our food. You know. I mean, we get, we're, it's like we're ashamed. We're ashamed of the Him or we're ashamed of the Lord. Shame on us. That should, that should stir us. In fact, I think if we really begin to actually think deeper about that, it's probably that we're, we're ashamed of our own lack of commitment to what we're seeing them do. Because we've all been called to be a witness. So, uh, so Paul says this to Timothy. He says, look, uh, don't be ashamed of the Lord. Don't be ashamed uh, of of the testimony um, of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. He says, look, man, get on board with this stuff. Church, get on board with the sufferings. Get on board with the persecution. Let somebody haul us away for hate speech, if that's what they want to call it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Was Christ ashamed uh, when he hung on the cross with his clothes stripped from him and beaten and, and a thorn, uh, a, a crown of thorns placed on his head for you? For the vile and wicked sin that you and I have committed? And yet he's almighty God, the creator, and he was willing to humble himself to that. And we can't even open our mouth to tell someone or open the word to share with someone. He goes on, he says, that you should share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that He is able to keep what I have committed to Him until that day. He says, hold fast the pattern of sound words. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. 
He goes on, turn over to chapter 4, he goes on to say this to Timothy. Paul says to Timothy in in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word. Did you hear that, church? This is what Paul is telling Timothy. He's saying, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Preach the word. Be ready. In season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires... Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, you, you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Church, we need to open our mouth and we need to open the Word. God promises that if we are willing to do that, God will open the door. That's my third point. Open the door. God will open the door. Uh, Go back over to Romans. Romans chapter 1 where we began this, this study. I like the way uh, J. Vernon McGee, uh, he, here's what he, he can kind of give a three-point outline on this same text. And, and, and if you want to circle these or underline these, I thought this was really, really neat. Um, in verse 14, uh, McGee says, he, he says, this is the admission. The admission. You notice the word I am. Uh, and uh, he says, I am a debtor. That's in verse 14. That's the admission. Uh, also, he says in verse 15, you see the remission. Um, the remission, that's uh, verse 15 where he says, uh, I, he says, so as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you. And then you see the submission in verse 16 when he says, I am not ashamed. The admission, the remission, the submission. I am debtor, I am ready, I am not ashamed. But you'll notice in that final one, the uh, opening of the door. And God will open the door. How do I know that? Well, because Paul, when he conveys this letter, he's identifying with Christ. And he's saying, look, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And that word uh, of Christ is not in most uh, manuscripts, the best manuscripts found. So it it may uh, literally read, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. That word power... It's the Greek word uh, in which we get our English word, dynamite. You'll remember JJ, don't you? Dynamite! You remember that show back in the 70s? Some of you just had no clue and you think your pastor lost it. I actually, when I was a kid, uh, some of you who, who, who were on Facebook may have seen at one time my profile picture was me as a five-year-old with my, I called it my JJ outfit. And... Um, uh, so anyways, no, we're not talking about that. Yes, the saying's the same. It's a powerful saying, but dynamite, you think about the English word dynamite. And when I think about dynamite being used, 
uh, in road construction and they blast all these hard rocks as they're making uh, uh, roadways through the mountains or wherever. And it literally blasts these hard rocks into little pebbles. Just disintegrates it. And you know what? That's exactly the picture Paul wants you to understand, wants us to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. It is the dynamite that we need to place into the hard hearts of people to just disintegrate it, to soften it, to bring them to humble repentance. You see, that's not in us. That's in the power of the gospel of God. We're just the mailmen, the mail ladies. We're delivering the message. We're bringing the mail. We don't need to be ashamed. What are you ashamed of? I mean, this is the stuff that transforms lives. This is the, this is the message that gives hope to the homeless. This is the, the message that, that takes an alcoholic and transforms their life to never touch a drop again. This is the same message that takes a religious man and brings him to humble repentance and recognition for his need of a Savior. We're talking about a life-changing, transforming message. Why would we be ashamed of that? This is what heals marriages. This is what heals families. This is what gives you and I purpose. Why are we ashamed? of the gospel. We need to open our mouth. We need to open the word. And God will open the door. Uh, Turn over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 5 through 7. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7 says this. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed. As the Lord gave to each one, I planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters. But God who gives the increase. You know what? God's going to do His work. Are you doing yours? God's going to do His part. Are you doing your part? He said it's the, it's the, He's chosen the foolishness of preaching. And if you're not proclaiming God's truth, if you're not opening your mouth and opening the Word to people, well, guess what? God's not going to use you for that vessel. He desires to. I want to be a vessel fit for use. I don't want to be a vessel put on the shelf. I don't want to be that vessel in the house that's used to carry the dung out. And that's alluded to in one of the writings in the, in the New Testament. Two types of vessels. I want to be a vessel that's fit for, for use, for God's use, for God's glory. God's going to bring the increase, church. Look, we know this. We know that the power of the gospel lies in that message and what God has done for us on our behalf. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we talked about, for by grace you've been saved. Through faith. It's not of works. It's the gift of God. 
It's the gift of God. You know, look back over in Romans. It's interesting because in Romans chapter 1, you'll notice in in verse 18... Paul has talked about he's not ashamed of the gospel. He recognizes uh, that it's the power of God and salvation for everyone who believes. The Jew first, also for the Greek. I mean, everyone seems to be everyone, right? I don't care who you are. This message is universal. We want to tell it to everyone. That doesn't mean everyone's going to be saved. But God's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's the desire of God. We need to proclaim this to others. He goes on and says that um, for in it the righteousness of, of God is revealed from faith to faith. Whether that means I tell you, you tell somebody else, you know, uh, somebody c- conveyed the gospel to you, that's how you were saved. Somebody conveyed it to them, that's how they were saved. Whether that's implied here or something else that Paul is alluding to, um, you can study it out to see what your, your conviction is on that. We know the just shall live by faith. You know, we, we don't walk by sight. We trust. We know that the Word of God is that lamp and light to our path, to our feet. We understand that. That's why we, 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 faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. This is why we want to grow in this, so that we know how to live in this world, so that we know how to walk circumspectly. Notice in verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, underline this word, ungodliness, and underline this word, unrighteousness against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Interesting, a commentary I was looking at said uh, this about ungodliness and unrighteousness. Ungodliness is having a wrong relationship with God. Ungodliness is having a wrong relationship with God. This represents the first table of the law that tells of man's relationship with God. We're going through the way of the Master on Wednesday nights. You know the the Ten Commandments, right? The two tablets. One was the first four, which deals with our relationship with God. The second tablet deals with our relationship towards man. That's why Jesus said, you can sum it up in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Second one's like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, in a broad stroke, he just summed up the the moral law. Because again, in Christ, it's fulfilled. But but it's interesting because unrighteousness is described in 118 as a wrong relationship with fellow man. This encompassed the second table of the law. And this is why I believe that if you're going to open your mouth and you're going to open the Word and, and you're going to allow God to open the door for you, which by the way, try God on this. Pray. If you really believe this message, pray and ask God this week in our closing right here. Ask God in the closing of this message to bring someone into your path or to put you in someone's path this week that you can do just this. Open your mouth. Open the Word to them via a gospel track and see if God does not fulfill His side of the deal. I guarantee you, 
you will shake in your boots when you know that this is it. This is it. This is what I prayed for. This is that moment. Oh, help me, Lord. (laughs) That's a good thing, though. That's a great thing. Pray that. I challenge you. But here's the thing. With this idea of the law, God gave us the law to show you and me that we're guilty. And that's something that's really being left out. Why do I need a Savior? The gospel does not make sense to me if I don't think I'm a sinner. What's a sinner? That's a Bible word we throw around in the Bible belt. What's that? And an interesting thing in our study, those of you who were here Wednesday night, you, you, you saw P. Nasty. And old P. Nasty, boy, he, he thought he was, he, he was giving all the verbatim, you know, what he needed. He knew the lingo. Oh, I'm saved. I know Jesus. But when the law is shown, you and I begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. Guilty. We're guilty. Now grace makes sense. Grace doesn't make sense without guilt. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. If I'm not guilty, what do I need grace for? And I love the illustration that they used in our first season, how somebody comes up and says, paid your speeding ticket. Excuse me? What speeding ticket? Yeah, you were doing uh, 55 through a 35 zone and uh, they clocked you and, uh, and um, uh, you were going to go to jail for a long time. But I paid for it. I don't know what you're talking about. That makes no sense to them. You didn't know you broke the law. You didn't. You don't see the law. Guess what? Guilty like it or not. But here's the point. But now you hold up the, the law. You have the officer show you the ticket. You get took into court. You recognize from that perspective you're facing a long time. And now your friend pays your fine. <laughs> oh, buddy, old pal. I mean, this is my best friend right here. <laughs> no, please don't. Anyways, that, you know what I'm saying. You're going to have an attitude of gratitude. Whew. Praise the Lord. You see, I recognize what Jesus did on my behalf. I know I was guilty. I know I was guilty. Praise God for His grace. You see, grace is a beautiful picture now. It's a beautiful picture to me because I understand it. That's why the law is important in our witness. How do I know this? Look in Romans 3.20. Romans 3.20 says this, and you can just write these down. I'm going to go through them fast. Romans 3.20, for since the creation of the world, oh, I'm sorry, 3.20, not 1.20, 3.20 says this, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law, underline this, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Look over in Romans 7.7. 7. Paul says this. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. So, 
Uh, again, you see the importance of this. Why is this important? Turn over to Galatians. Why is this important that we understand this? Why, why is it important that the law be utilized in our witness? Well, notice Galatians 3.24. Galatians 3.24 says, Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. The law was our teacher. That's what brings us to Christ. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. We're not under law. I get that. You're church people. You get that. But the unsaved sinner lost in the world doesn't know they're guilty. That's why it's important for you and I to open our mouth, to open the Word, and to allow God to open the door. Persecution is coming. It's coming. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Church, we need to open our mouth. We need to open the Word. And God will, He will open the door. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I realize that um, a lot of times we, we have the knowledge in our head. We, we know that uh, these things to be true, but where is it affecting our life? What difference is it making? Lord, too often times I'm afraid that maybe it's not. Father, I, I just I pray this morning that you would open uh, not only, uh, Lord, uh, our mouth and, and the word and the door. Lord, open our eyes that we might see as you see. Father, I pray this morning starting with myself. And on behalf of this congregation, Lord, bring us opportunities this week. Help us to be prepared by having uh, Your Word available to share. And Lord, some people may be saying, well, I, I just I don't know what to say. Lord, let them just simply share what Christ means to them. Let them communicate the difference God's made in their life. Lord, allow us to be found faithful in planting seeds and watering seeds because we realize Your Word says You will bring the increase. Father, we look for those opportunities. Prepare our hearts and minds even now, God. May we not quench the Spirit when those times come. Though we may be running late for work or maybe busy or in the middle of something, Lord, nudge our hearts by the Holy Spirit that this is that encounter we've asked for. 
make that real to us. And may we respond with obedience. Father, I thank you for this church family. And I pray that we all be encouraged this day to not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Gentile. And Lord, we give you all the praise this day and all the glory, for you alone are worthy of our praises. And we ask it in that name, in Christ's name. Amen.